Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at www.scriptureandprophecy.com. While we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Luke, we're ready for chapter 19 today. Chapter 19 has a few stories in it. It has the conversion of a Zacchaeus, who was like the head tax collector, showing just like God's mercy to anyone who will believe and trust. Then we have the parable of the ten pounds, which is like a parallel to the parable of the talents, which is what we'll probably focus our mindset on today. Then we have the triumphal entry and Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. And so that is uh, what will be covered in today's reading. Uh, 48 verses, so decent little chapter here, uh, but it shouldn't take us too long to dig through. I just pray that it blesses you, that it speaks to you, that it pierces your heart and causes you to draw nearer to God and to His Son, Jesus. All right, let's begin. King James Bible, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, There was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. And come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and he came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they were all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood unto the Lord, and behold, the Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation... I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So we have Zacchaeus, chief tax collector. And he's, He wants to see Jesus. He's curious about this, and he climbs a tree because he's too short to kind of see over the crowd. And Jesus says that, Jesus calls him down out of the tree and says, we're going to be at your house tonight. And it says that the uh, religious people murmured, saying, oh, why is he going to do this? This guy's a sinner, right? Now, I've heard Christians over my lifetime really point to things like this and point to um, these moments where Jesus seems to be dining with sinful people and they say if Jesus was alive today he'd be at the bar you know have you ever heard have you ever heard such nonsense like if Jesus was alive today these are the kind of places that he would be going and they use that as an excuse like they're going to go there and share the gospel like that's their purpose for being in some of these places where they do not belong as a Christian. 
And that's not what Jesus is doing at all. Jesus is converting Zacchaeus. What does Zacchaeus do? He doesn't just go dine with him and then Zacchaeus goes back to his normal life. What does he do? Zacchaeus immediately believes and he says, Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I have taken it. If I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restored him fourfold. So he's like, I'm just going to right now immediately just give away half of what I own. All my half of my wealth I'm giving to the poor right now. And I'm going to restore to anyone who I feel like I may have wronged over the years. He's repenting. He's believing on Jesus and turning away from his sinful behavior. This isn't Jesus hanging out in some sinful environment. But I've seen Christians use this as an excuse. It's nonsense. Zacchaeus does what the rich young ruler was unwilling and unable to do. You know, last week we had the rich young ruler. He comes before Jesus and he wants to know what he can do to be saved. And then when Jesus says there's this one thing that you lack, you need to give your wealth away. And he's unable, unwilling to do it. And Jesus says, how hard is it for a rich man to be saved? And then the disciples are like, "If then who can be saved? You know, Jesus says, with, with God, all things are possible. And here is an example. We have another really wealthy man. But Jesus doesn't have to tell him, go get rid of your wealth or, or whatever it is that's, that you're lacking that's holding you back. No, Zacchaeus, he offers it up. He offers up his wealth because he would rather follow Jesus. These are two different mindsets here with two different results because Jesus then says, salvation has come. He says, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. All right, let's continue on. Verse 11, we're starting the parable of the ten pounds. And as he heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain noble man went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants, and he delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But the citizens hated him, and sent a messenger after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be also, be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an astute man. Thou takest up, 
thou layest not down, and reapest thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then, gavest not thou my money to the bank, that my coming I might have required my own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one that which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that hath shall be taken away from him. But those, my enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. All right. This parable really speaks to two things. Number one, he's telling this parable because he's about to go into Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem, which is why we're going to see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem here in a minute. He knows that they're going to reject him as Messiah. They're going to reject him to be the leader, to follow him. And he knows that as a result, Jerusalem will be harshly judged and the wrath of God will be poured out upon Jerusalem, which it was in 70 AD. We all know the history. This is why Jesus is getting, this is why Jesus is going to weep over Jerusalem here in the future. So he's telling this parable and he's, and he's saying, well, let's just look at it. He says, and he, and he heard these things and he added, and he spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So we have two things. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. So he was telling this parable to those people, that generation. This parable is also a parable about the coming kingdom in its full manifestation. But let's get to the first part. A certain noble man went to a faraway country to receive him for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But the citizens hated him. So these are really the Jewish people by and large. Uh, the Jerusalem, Israel, they rejected Messiah, right? And sent him, not all, but in general. But he sent his citizens, but his citizens hated him and sent him a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Okay. And then we know the whole story. We know what happened, right? And then at the he ends this parable, but with those my enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Now, to us, Jesus is saying, occupy till I come. That is what you are to do. I've given you a certain amount of talents, certain amount of pounds, whatever symbolism you want to use here. I've given you the gifts to further the kingdom of God. Right? And what is my favorite saying over the last two years? Actions matter, right? Actions matter. They demonstrate what we truly believe. He gives an example. There's the one who does a lot. He multiplies what the Lord has given him. He furthers the kingdom. And as a result, he's, he's the, the, the 
king returns and he says, well done. You will be appointed over ten cities, right? Like you've been given authority here in eternity. Authority and position here in eternity. Likewise, the next guy had five. He says, you will be over five cities. Yeah, well done. And then just like in the parable of the talents, we have one who did nothing. And Jesus refers to him as a wicked servant. And I would argue, not a servant at all. A servant in name only. And what he has is taken and given to the one who had much. Let me read this commentary real quick from Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry. On this little part and then we'll move on. He says, this parable is like that of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. Those that are called to Christ, he furnishes with gifts needed for their business, and from those to whom he gives power, he expects service. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. And as everyone has received the gift, so let him minister the same. The account required resembles that in the parables of the talents and the punishment of the avowed enemies of Christ as well as the false professors is shown. You see, the one who did nothing is a false professor. He says he follows Jesus, but he doesn't do anything. His actions demonstrate that he's false. Matthew Henry goes on to say, The principal difference is, that the pound given to each seems to point out the gift of the gospel, which is the same to all who hear it. But the talents distributed more or less seem to mean that God gives different capacities and advantages to men by which this one gift of the gospel may be differently improved. So we're all blessed with some level of capacity to do God's work, and it's all done in different ways. All right, I think uh, I think there's no need to continue to beat that into the ground. The word of God speaks for itself. And, of course, the slothful, the lazy, those who don't want to do work for God, or those who don't want to, you know, they'll be, they'll be the very ones who complain about what I'm saying. Oh, that's works religion, blah, blah, blah. Let them complain. God's word speaks for itself. And those who do nothing... They will answer to Messiah when he returns. Let's continue. Verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye unto the village over against you, and the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, Wherein yet never man set, loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way, 
And when he was coming nigh, even now at the descendants of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and he said unto him, I tell you that. If these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round and keep thee on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thy one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. You see, it's dangerous to not know the times you're living in. They didn't get it. You know, they're praising him here, calling him Hosanna, Lord in the highest, right? But on the next day, they'll be crying out for, for Barabbas to be released and for him to be crucified. So he's weeping over Jerusalem because he knows this. He knows that their judgment is nigh. Let's continue. Verse 45. And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. I wonder, how many churches, if Jesus was to enter them today, would he need to turn over tables and chasten people out with a whip, saying, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Last two verses. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. And he could not find what they might do, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. That is the end of chapter 19. And I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you've been blessed by this this morning, and I hope that I haven't deluded or compromise the Word of God in any way with my commentary or my opinions. And uh, I just pray that it's been well received and that the Word of God has went forth and accomplished its goal. I thank all of you for listening, for praying for me and praying for the podcast. And I just thank you so much, those of you who support the podcast and help make this possible each and every week. Couldn't do it without you, so thank you very much. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.